Good morning, church. I'll be reading in Spanish first, New International Version, and then jumping to, to English. Uh, la Confesión de Prero, Mateo 16, 13 al 20. Cuando llegó a la región de Cesarea de Filipo, Jesús preguntó a sus discípulos, ¿Quién dice la gente que es el Hijo del Hombre? Le respondieron, y unos dicen que es Juan el Bautista, otros que Elías, y otros que Jeremías o uno de los profetas. ¿Y ustedes quién dicen que soy? Tú eres el Cristo, el Hijo de Dios, viviente, afirmó Simón Pedro. Dichoso tú, Simón, hijo de Jonás, le dijo Jesús, porque eso no te lo ha revelado ningún mortal, sino mi Padre que está en el cielo. Yo te digo que tú eres Pedro, y sobre esta piedra edificaré mi iglesia, y las puertas del reino de la muerte no prevalecerán contra ella. Te daré las llaves del reino de los cielos, todo lo que ates en la tierra quedará atado en el cielo, y todo lo que desates en la tierra quedará desatado en el cielo. Luego les ordenó a sus discípulos que no dijeran nadie a que él era el Cristo. Uh, verse 13. Now, uh, Matthew uh, 16, verse 13 to 20. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do you say the Son of Man is? And they said, Some, John, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets, he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not been revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged his disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. Thank you, Haziel. Good morning, church family. How's everybody doing? You guys good? Uh, if you're new, my name is Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, I love that we are able to, especially on a Sunday when I get to teach on the subject of the church Uh, to hear the reading bilingually like that because it's a reminder that the church of Jesus Christ is made up of people from every nation, tribe, and tongue, as we heard in that assurance of grace, that right now, all around the world, there are fellow brothers and sisters of Christ who have been worshiping, who are worshiping, uh, people that we will never maybe meet in this lifetime, but we will spend eternity with as one family of God. That's a cool thought to me. And if you're new, we are actually today wrapping up a teaching series that we've been doing since January called All Things New. And we look at the way that the message of the gospel brings new life, brings renewal to every aspect of who we are, our hearts and our minds and our, even our bodies. We look at the way that the gospel renews our marriages and our parenting and our friendships and our dating relationships. And then we looked at things like our money and our work and our rest and ways that we serve. And then last weekend... We looked at how the gospel brings renewal to our hope, that we can have new hope because of Jesus. And I'm so grateful for everybody who served and volunteered and participated to make the whole resurrection weekend such a joyful time. We, we sang and we uh, celebrated the Lord's table on Good Friday. We had a bunch of kids from the neighborhood came out and they released the hounds into the yard for, on Saturday for the Easter egg hunt. And that was a delightful time. So thank you to all the volunteers who made that happen. And then on Resurrection Sunday, we gathered here and we 
sang and we partied and we had uh, just an amazing time. We had 11 people publicly profess faith in Jesus through the waters of baptism. So what a joy that that is. And we get to celebrate with them. And actually, I have some good news. Uh, actually, at the last service, we had two people, a mother and a daughter, who were unable to be here last weekend for that. So at the 9 a.m. service, we just baptized two more people at the last service. So the good news is, that's awesome. The bad news is, y'all slept in and missed it. So... Uh, Uh, It's a great joy to be able to talk today about the subject of a renewed church, the idea of a renewed church, the people of God, the gathering of those who belong to Jesus. And so I wonder if you would just pray with me, and if I could even ask, will you pray for me as I uh, uh, unpack for you just a lot that the Lord's put in my heart to share with us today. Lord, we are here, hopefully, Not because it's just a good idea or we were bored on a Sunday, but Lord, because you have called us. You've redeemed us. You've saved us. Lord, for those who are here, who by your grace are saved, I I pray, Lord God, that you remind us of the importance of this gathering and this people, the church, the blood-bought saints of God. Lord, if there's anyone here today who's not yet been saved by you, Lord, I pray that you would do that work in their hearts that only you can do. You'd bring that softening and you'd bring that awareness of our need for your grace and that uh, acceptance of the work that Jesus did on our behalf. And Lord, for myself, I pray that you'd only uh, allow me to teach that which is in line with the truth of your word. And we give this time to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh man, I received that. That's good. Just going to dive right in because we've got a lot to get through here. This passage we were looking at that Haziel read for us so eloquently Jesus is with his disciples, and they're talking about what's the word on the street. You know, Jesus comes, he's preaching, he's teaching, he's performing miracles, he's healing, and and he's caused quite a buzz, he's caused quite a stir. And people are saying things about him, like, who is this guy? What is, like, where did he come from? From from Nazareth? Like, kind of the, the, the rural part, the backwoods? Like, who could, what good could come from Nazareth? And so people are speculating about his identity, and, and, and they're saying things like, well, maybe he's, maybe he's Elijah. Maybe he's like a reincarnation of the prophet Jeremiah. And Jesus turns to his disciples, and, and he says, well, who do you say that I am? And Matthew records for us that Simon Peter turned to Jesus, and he answered. He says, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. You are the long-awaited King of Israel, the one who was sent not only uh, to come redeem Israel as, a, as an earthly king and ruler, but you're the Son of God himself. And what a great moment here in the scriptures for Peter, who finally gets one right. Because if you know the story of the Gospels, Peter is often found with both feet in his mouth, uh, he's, he's sinking in the water. He's got his foot in his mouth, bumbling and stumbling. He's a slower runner than John. Like Peter gets a bad look often in the New Testament. But here, Peter absolutely nails it, the identity of who Jesus is. And so Jesus responds and said, you are blessed, blessed Simon, the son of Jonah. Because listen, Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. You didn't just come up with this out of your human understanding. No, this was actually something that was revealed to you by God, my Father himself in heaven. And then Jesus makes this profound statement. He says, I say to you, Simon, that now you're going to be called Peter. The word Peter in Greek, uh, Petros, it's rock. Rocky. Your new name is Rocky. Rocky. You can imagine Simon just there. He's got a jump rope. He's running up and down stairs. He's like, that's right, I'm Rocky. He's cracking raw eggs into a blender. 
He says, you're rocky. And it's a play on words here. He says, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades, death itself, will not overpower it. Now, this is important because what Jesus is saying is, I'm going to establish something, this this movement of Jesus' followers that's going to be established on this rock, this firm foundation. And, and, And the way that we understand this, with all love and respect to our Catholic friends and neighbors and family members, this is built on the confession of what Peter says. It's not built on the person of Peter himself through apostolic succession. It is built on the message that Peter just declared, the apostolic message that there is but one God, and he's sent this one savior into the world to be the Messiah, to live, to die, to rise again, and to offer salvation and new life to anyone who would put their hope in this Messiah, in this Jesus. This is the establishment of the church of Jesus Christ. And it's a powerful moment. It's a powerful moment. But how many of you know that the church has problems. Anybody? Like, look around. Look at somebody next to you and say, you have problems. <laughs> say, I have problems. You know, we, we, we see this powerful moment of Jesus establishing his church, and it's this, like, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And sometimes being a part of a church can feel like, really? This is it? This was your plan A, Lord Jesus? See, the church goes through ups and downs. The church is persecuted. The church experiences trials and tribulations. The church fumbles and falters, and, and we, we, we don't live out those white, purified garments like we read about in the book of Revelation. But the good news is, is that Jesus is far more patient with his church than we are. The good news is, is that through the gospel, Jesus is continually renewing his church. He's always working on us. He's always working on us as individuals, and he's working on us communally as a fa- uh, uh, the people of God. Now, I want to let you know and remind you a couple of things what the church is not, right? The church is not a building. Can I get an amen from somebody in the building here, Okay. If you're online, I can't hear you, but you can text me. Uh, the church is not a building. This was something that I came to a conviction of very early in my life growing up in the church, so much so that when my wife and I got married and we started having kids, and I remember one time my wife said something like, like, oh, I need to go swing by the church and pick up something that I left, and one of our daughters, who was like a toddler at the time from the backseat of the car, goes, no, we have to go to the church building, not the church. And I was like, okay, gray family culture has been well established here. The church is not a building. The church may have a building, and I'm grateful for a building and a place to gather, but I would gather with y'all in a forest or in a field or in the catacombs if we had to. The church is not a building. I will also remind you the church is not an event. It is not something that you attend and you, you just kind of witness and participate in. The church may have events. The church may gather like this, but the church itself is not an event. It also bears saying the church is not a business. Despite many of the ways that the church, particularly in North America, can be corrupted and turned into something where it treats people like consumers or customers, that is not what the church is. Yes, the church may even like pay people and do transactions. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament said that those who labor in preaching the gospel should earn their living from the gospel. So it's not an issue of like having money or or paying things or whatever, but at its heart, the church is not a business and should not operate like one. The church is also not a club. 
The church is not a club that you belong to. It's not the Elks Club. It's not the Rotary Club. It's not a a friendship group where we get together and just have all sorts of warm fuzzies. The church is not a do-gooder organization out there doing gooder. The church may have friendships, and the church should be doing good, but that is not what the church is at its heart. And I'll even say this one because it, it, it bears clarification. The church is not equivalent to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is something so much bigger even than the church. The kingdom of God is God's rule and reign over all of creation. The way I like to say it is that the church is an outpost of the kingdom of God. The church is an embassy of the kingdom of God. We're here in in hostile, occupied territory. If you've ever traveled internationally, you've ever been in a foreign country, and you have some sort of issue with your passport or an issue with your visa, where do you go? You've got to run to the embassy. It's like, oh, here's a little slice of, of, you know, the good old U.S. of A. in whatever country you happen to be traveling in. Well, here we are in enemy territory, occupied territory, Linwood, Washington. But we are an embassy of the kingdom of heaven. And when people interact with us, they get to see a little slice of what heaven is like. But the the church is not equivalent to the kingdom. Let me tell you what the church is. The church is the called out people of God assembled by Jesus, built on Jesus, and for Jesus. That is what we are. When I say the called out people of God, you know, the, the word church itself, when Jesus says, I will establish my church, the word that is used there in the New Testament Greek is the ekklesia, In the Greco-Roman world, this was a political term. This would be like a, we're going to call out the, we're going we're to gather the assembly together. It's, you know, it's the assembly of the philosophers or the assembly of the, the rulers or the magistrates. They would have an assembly in, in Roman democracy. And Jesus uses that term, co-opts it, and says it's about his people. But what's interesting about the word ekklesia itself, the word ek and then kletos that the Greek comes from, the word ek means out and kletos means to call. So it is those who are called out. Called out. Hey, you, come here. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have been called out of the kingdom of darkness and you have been brought into the kingdom of his son. How many of you are thankful for that? You've been called out. You've been brought out of something by the voice of God, by the word of God. You have been brought out and you are built on, built on Jesus himself as the foundation. This is what Jesus said to Peter. You are are this rock and on this message, I will build my church. That the church is established and built on the message of the perfect life of Jesus, his sacrificial death in our place and his victorious resurrection. There is no church without the life and the work of Jesus. We could gather together like this all we want. It means nothing if Jesus did not live, die, raise again, and be ascended to the right hand of the Father for he rules and reigns for all of eternity. And one day he will return and we will see him visibly and we will live forever with him. This is the message that the church is built on. But it's also built by Jesus. He said, I will build my church. Friends, whose church is it? It's Jesus' church. Now, I might say, oh, yeah, my church. Oh, my church. I'm meeting with other pastors. Oh, yeah, my church or the church I lead. But at the end of the day, it is not my church. It is not your church. It is Jesus' church. And he said that he would build his church. He didn't say we would build his church. And he sure as heck didn't say that he would build our church. He said he would build his church. So the confidence is not in us and our work and what we do. The confidence is in him that he cares far more about this church and all churches. He cares way more than we do. 
And the confidence is in him because of his death and his resurrection. Now, I want to do a few things today. I want to spend a little bit more time just at a, at a broad level unpacking what the Bible says the church is, what the church has, and what the church does. I want to do some, I want to do some Bible school with you. I want to zoom out and do a little systematic ecclesiology so that we all can be on the same page about what the church is. And then I want to push pause, Selah, be biblical about it. Uh, and I want to take a little bit of time and talk about what Jesus is doing in our local church. Is that okay with you guys? If it's not, I'm going to do it anyways because I love you. And this is the plan for what today is. Because God is doing things in our church and I'm, I'm excited to share a few things with you. If you happen to be a, a guest or a visitor with us today, you get to participate in a little bit of family meeting and kind of hear some things that the Lord Jesus is doing with us. So let's talk about what the church is, what the church has, and what the church does. Let's talk a little bit more about what the church is. First of all, the church is both spiritual and physical. If the church is made up of people, we as humans are spiritual and physical. The body is not a prison or a trap to be set free from. The body will be raised to new life at the end of the age, and we will reign with Christ physically for all of eternity. The Apostle Paul says this in Romans 8. He says, if Christ is in you, and that's a plural you, it's y'all, if Christ is in y'all, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit gives life because of righteousness. How many of you on certain mornings you wake up like, yep, the body is dead, I can tell. My body just feels very dead right now. But he says the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And get this, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in y'all, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit who lives in you. Whoa. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead Did we not just celebrate the resurrection last Sunday? Did we not see it portrayed in the waters of baptism? Paul is saying, if you have repented of your sins, you've trusted in Jesus, that same Holy Spirit is alive in you. And even though right now your physical self feels dead, one day you will be raised imperishable in a perfect resurrected body to rule and reign with Christ Jesus for all of eternity. How good is that news, friends? And until that day, though the outer self is wasting away, the inner self is being renewed day by day. And because of that, it means the church is both spiritual and physical. There's a physical, just normal part of being a part of the church. It's why we eat and drink bread and wine. It's why we go into the waters for baptism. The Lord gave us these physical practices, but we also recognize there's a spiritual reality that's happening that goes far beyond our comprehension. The church is spiritual and physical. The church is also visible and invisible. Look around this room right here. Look around. Look at this is this is an expression of the visible church. You can see them. That's what visible means. But how many of you know that we have been surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses that for the last 20 centuries there have been women and men and children who have gathered to break bread and to drink of the cup, to sing praises to God, to open the scriptures, and that those who have passed on before us are cheering us on, the author of Hebrews says. Not even those who have passed on before us, just those who are in earlier time zones than us. How many of you know that there are believers who all around the world have already gathered In places like Iran, where it's illegal to be a Christian, or places like Armenia, where we have dearly beloved people who've been a part of our church, they're proclaiming the gospel. In places like both Russia and Ukraine, 
There are believers in Jesus Christ who, though their earthly governments are at war with one another, they truly belong to a kingdom that is not of this earth. And though there is war and bloodshed right now, they will be worshiping before the throne of the one true king for all of eternity. This is the invisible church. And, and sometimes we look around and we see the visible church. It's like, woo, hmm, hmm, hmm. Not so good. Jesus, you got any more? It's like, yeah, he's got a lot more. There's such a, a, a bigger thing happening than we even realize. The church is visible and invisible. The church is also local and universal. We can see this idea. That sometimes I'll use the language of capital C church and lowercase c church. That there's something called the church, the universal church. Actually, that's what the word Catholic means. The word Catholic means universal. It doesn't necessarily specifically mean like the Roman Catholic church. It just means the Catholic, the universal church, all of God's people everywhere. But then there's local churches. Like Paul talks about, you know, my practice in all the churches, or as we read in Revelation, to the church in Laodicea, to the church in Pergamum, to the church in Thyatira, to the church in unincorporated Snohomish County. There's a local expression. And while when we're saved, we are made a member of the universal church, we believe that the clear teaching of the New Testament is we're to belong to a local expression of that capital C universal church. The church is also gathered and scattered. Remember, the word ecclesia is gathering, and the author of Hebrews tells us don't neglect gathering together, but we also see this portrait that the church spreads out and is scattered so that we don't just huddle together. We must go out into the world and take this, this message of the new king, Jesus, who's in charge. We have to get it out. In 1 Peter, he talks about the churches that are dispersed all over Asia Minor. So the church is gathered and the church is scattered. And then lastly, we see that the church is both imperfect, still a work in progress, and yet fully sanctified. Again, anybody here ever struggle with, like, sin? Anybody here ever look at yourself like, man, why did I do that? Or, man, what is, what is still going on in me where I'm still wrestling with that? Anybody? We know that there's this part of us that, that the New Testament calls the flesh that we still wage war against. The flesh, it doesn't die easily. It's a, it's a lot of hard work. And sometimes, even if you've been following Jesus for a long time, you, you look and you're like, man, I, I still did that. I still struggle with that. And then the Apostle Paul and other New Testament writers acknowledge, you know, we're being transformed from one degree of glory to another. We are still imperfect. And yet, Apostle Paul and again others say things like, yeah, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified. If you have trusted in Christ Jesus, if you by his grace have been saved, then your fundamental identity is not that of a sinner. You are a beloved son or daughter of the Most High God who still struggles with sin. I love that song that we sang earlier, the, the, there is a fountain filled with blood in that line, till all the ransomed church of God be saved to sin no more. One day that is going to be true of the church of Jesus. And friends, I can tell you, honestly, there are times where I get so frustrated when I read the news or I read reports of this or that church and this or that pastor or did this or that idiotic thing and, and it breaks my heart and then I, I hear about reports of things in our own church community or I hear about things in my own heart and someone has to come and deliver a word of correction to me or a word of, of, of loving rebuke to me and it's like, ah, oh, why are we still wrestling with all of this? But the good news is Jesus is working on his church. 
And though we are yet still imperfect, we are being sanctified by his grace. And this is why we need his renewal. So this is a portrait of what the church is. Now, the church has a few things. I have three points to say in there, but it's actually six, which is a preacher's cheating way to get more points in, but it looks like less. So the church has a few things. The church has leaders and members. The church has leaders and members. In leadership, the Bible paints this picture of there are lots and lots of ways to lead. And if you weren't here a few weeks ago when Pastor Jason preached on the subject of biblical leadership, I encourage you to go back and re-listen to that message because in God's church, everybody is granted a measure of leadership. And we all have places of influence. When he was talking about leadership as influence, I've had a joke that I've been working on for the last two weeks. We'll see how it goes. Instead of standing up and saying, hi, my name is Aaron, I'm one of the pastors. I want to say, hi, my name is Aaron, I'm one of the influencers here. No? Okay, Greg says no. All right. But the idea is we all have a place where we can lead others to greater followership of Jesus. Within the church, the New Testament paints a picture that there are two specific formal offices of leadership. Now, leadership is not limited to those offices. People who are not in those offices can lead, but there are two specific areas where Jesus says, I want people who are going to lead in these capacities. One of those is the, is the office of, of eldership or overseer. Those two words are used synonymously, an elder or an overseer. And they are charged before the Lord with tasks such as teaching the word of God, praying, and kind of focusing more on the spiritual side of things. And the other office of leadership that is talked about, you see the patterns in Acts 6, you see it in Titus chapter 1, 1 Timothy 3, is the office of a deacon. And the word deacon means a servant. And those are the people in the church who are tasked with more practical matters of leadership so that the elders or overseers can focus on the spiritual matters of the church. Elders or overseers and deacons are these two official roles of leadership. But again, remember, leadership is not limited to those two offices. Others lead. Lots of people lead. But those are God-ordained roles of leadership. Members, however... Members is an interesting concept. You know, again, if you're saved into the body of Christ, you already are a member of Christ's universal body. You can't help that. But we have a conviction at this church of practicing official membership, committed, uh, we call it covenant membership, because of the pattern that we see in the New Testament where people make a commitment to a local body of believers. There's a, there's a verse in Hebrews 13 It's one of the verses that weighs most heavily on me as a leader in this church where the author of Hebrews tells the people, it says, people, you need to obey your leaders and submit to them. That's not the part that weighs heavy on me. Obey your leaders and submit to them. And this this is it. It says, since they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. So I have a deep conviction from this verse that I'm gonna stand before Jesus someday and give an account for those who are entrusted to my leadership as an elder in the church. And one of the things about that, then, is who am I supposed to give an account for? Anyone can come and gather. The New Testament makes it clear. When we gather like this, people are going to just come in and visit, and some of you are guests or visitors. Some of you are, are here. You're just visiting family. Some of you are just checking it out. Some of you are like, well, maybe I don't know how I feel about this Jesus guy. I just want to kind of listen and learn a little bit. But others of you are saying, like, no, this is my church. And those of us in that office of eldership bear a responsibility before the Lord Jesus Christ to watch over you. That's one of the reasons why we practice official membership. 
In just a few weeks, we actually have a membership class. There's so much more I want to say about it, but I don't have time. I'm already cheating and putting two points in one. Um, We have a membership class coming up in just a few weeks, and if you have questions about membership or what it might mean for you, we'd love to invite you to that. The church has also a message and a mission. Remember, we do not exist just to gather together to have, like, close friendships. That's wonderful. I hope you have close friendships in the church. But that's not the purpose. The mission of the church is not just that we gather together and have, like, a good religious feeling or a, or a nice warm fuzzy inside, although I really do hope that you feel built up and encouraged before you leave. No, the purpose the church has is a mission. Jesus said, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptize them, and teach them to follow everything I have instructed you. We have a message. There's a new king. It's Jesus. We have a mission to go get this word out to everybody. That is why we exist. We don't exist just to have kind of a holy huddle and to just have warm feelings. No, we exist to get the message of Jesus out. And then third, we have both resources and resistance. And you can see in the pages of the New Testament, the Lord brings people into the church who have things like money or have possessions and they pool it together and they use it to finance mission trips and they do all sorts of things. The, the Lord grants us resources. We are blessed as a church with some incredible people. Some of you are just absolutely incredible with the giftings that you have. And others of you have, have brought your resources and your, your treasure or your time into the church so that we could mobilize these resources for the message of the gospel. You know the best resource we've been given of all? God's Holy Spirit, who has been poured out into our hearts through faith. We're not just doing this alone. We have the Spirit of God that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, alive and at work within us. But don't forget, we also have resistance. In that passage we looked at to Peter, he says, the gates of hell will not overcome it. Well, that means there are spiritual forces that we are in opposition with. Jesus said in John 15, hey, remember, if they hate you, they hated me first. So we've got a mission, we've got a message, God's given us resources, but we know that it's not always going to be easy. And it could be everything from hard forms of persecution, like imprisonment and and death, or gentler, softer forms of persecution, like uh, mockery and uh, sidelining. But Jesus has called us to be his church. So what does the church do? Well, the church worships God, first and foremost. We exist to glorify God. And the church, all of life is worship, amen? The Apostle Paul says in Romans 12, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, this is your spiritual act of worship. So everything, in one sense, everything we do is worship. But there are some unique and special ways that we worship together as a church. We gather for singing. We worship through giving. We worship through the the eating of bread and the drinking of the cup. We worship through the ordinance of baptism that the Lord has given to us. We, We worship in these special sorts of ways through responding to the teaching and the preaching of God's word. So yes, all of life is worship, but gathered worship is really important. Can I just say that? Gathered worship is so important. And I have a, um, I have had for a long time kind of a love-hate relationship with the technology that enables things like live streaming and all of that. I'm really grateful for the technology, and I'm grateful for the places where it's helpful for those who can't be connected. But, but if the church is spiritual and physical, boy, a video camera sure just doesn't quite live up to the fullness of who we are as human beings. So it's kind of a love-hate sort of a thing. If the technology is enabling you to remain connected, even if there's some sort of hardship, or sometimes like even when I'm on vacation, I'll tune into the live stream because I'm like, oh, make sure Pastor John's not preaching any heresy or something like that. No, I'm just teasing. But like, 
you know, like just that connection. But it's so good and so important to be connected together as the people of God in gathered worship. And so I just want to impress upon you the importance of gathered worship. My wife and I will have a disagreement. I love gathered worship so much that even when we are on vacation in like a different state, I will still get the family up early on a Sunday morning and we'll go find a church and we'll go to worship somewhere. And she's like, Aaron, you're at the church every Sunday at like 6.30 in the morning. Could we please just sleep in for once? I'm like, no, we got to go worship the Lord. I'm so much holier than you with your pagan wanting to sleep in. Just kidding. She's probably right and I'm probably overdoing it. But the church gathers to worship God. Number two, the church makes disciples. The church makes disciples. You are here to be built up as a follower of Jesus Christ, and you are here to build someone else up as a follower of Jesus Christ. That word disciple, right? There's, there's discipling. You think it's related to the word discipline, right? If someone, if someone gets up early in the morning and goes to the gym and they eat healthy and they take care of themselves, that's a disciplined person. That's formative discipline. It's positive discipline. There is also corrective discipline, where sometimes a word needs to be spoken or someone is out of line. You have to come in and say, hey, that is not fitting for a follower of Jesus, Corrective discipline, church discipline, which is another reason to practice official church membership so that I and we as the community of faith know who are we responsible to offer a word of correction to. And third, the church does all the work of the kingdom that Jesus instructed us to. Evangelism, mercy, justice, hospitality, go visit the prisoner, go take care of the orphan and the widow, go bring justice into the public square, go feed the hungry, go clothe the naked. The church does all that sort of work of the kingdom. But remember, all of this is only possible because of the cross of Jesus and the empty tomb. We don't go make disciples. We don't go do all that kingdom work just out of our own strength. No, we are a blood-bought people who belong to Jesus. That's why we do what we do. All right, how are we doing, church? Good? Can I call time out? That's a lot to get through. I really, like, ecclesiology is one of my favorite subjects. I could teach on just the church and the ordinances and all that stuff. I would love to do, like, a longer class or something, but... Instead, you got the overview flyover version. Here's what I want to shift gears for a minute here, and I'm going to talk about our local church. Our local church, and I want to say three things about our local church. The first is this, that our church is seeking renewal from the Lord. Um, If you're newer, uh, our church was launched out of a, a season of crisis in 2015, So when this church launched, we were already, in in many ways, those of us who established the church, uh, the humans that established the church, we know it's Jesus, we were already kind of playing catch-up, already kind of running behind. And over the next few years, just kind of a series of challenge after challenge after challenge, where um, it felt like, so when I was growing up, I grew up in Alaska, sometimes you're on like a road trip and then all of a sudden a snowstorm will hit, and that kind of driving, it's white knuckle driving, right? You're kind of holding onto the steering wheel real tight, and it's, you can't see very far, and, and then after a while, it's like, okay, fine, the snow's gone, you kind of relax a little bit, it's like, ow, like my neck hurts and my shoulders hurt. I feel like there have been times where leading Sound City Bible Church has kind of felt like that kind of white knuckle driving, when 2020 hit and all of the, I mean, COVID stuff and all the societal unrest and racial tensions and everything that was just so, 
so heavy and so at times just discouraging and honestly feeling like at times there was literally no right decision. You could not make a right decision. Uh, Choice, you know, bad choice on A, bad choice B, and no matter what, somebody's going to be upset and I'm going to get an email. That led to challenges in 2021, particularly among leadership, where two of our leaders were removed for disciplinary reasons and two others of our leaders left for personal reasons and there was a lot of conflict, and there's a lot of pain, there's a lot of heartache, and um, at the risk of sounding a little bit overdramatic, like 2021 was probably the most difficult year of my own life. By God's grace, I was able to have a time of sabbatical, came back feeling spiritually refreshed, and so we sat down as an elder team, the overseers, and said, Lord, what do you want for us? We begin to sense this word renewal. The Lord wanted to renew us as a church community, that you know, my tendency, just in confession and transparency, my tendency is just to push harder. I've always been an energetic person. This is the mellowest I've ever been in my life. That's a scary thought. My tendency is just kind of push on. I just kind of keep soldiering on. And we, we gathered together, actually, the elder team, we, we rented a cabin out kind of in the, in, in the woods in eastern Washington and just spent time together in prayer and singing and seeking the Lord. And we really sensed that he wanted to do this work of renewal that in many ways he wanted to take us back to the drawing board that we could seek the Lord for who we are and what we're supposed to be as a church. And I'm really thankful that he has been gracious to us in this season. Even as we've gone through this teaching series on a renewed church and, and a renewed followers of Jesus, um, I don't know about you, but I've experienced his grace in this last few months, and I'm really thankful that he is not done with us yet. And I'm really thankful I'm growing in my realization, I think for all of us as, as, as leaders, we're growing in our just more close realization that Jesus said he would build his church. It's not up to me. It's not up to you. It's not up to any one person or leader. It's up to Jesus, amen? So our church is seeking renewal. And with that, I'm gonna talk about the renewal team in just a moment. We're gonna bring them up and pray for them. But our church is also experiencing transition, um, I had dinner with a friend last night who was here from out of town, and I joked that in an area like Seattle, the area of Seattle tends to be pretty transient. People come, they're here for a little while, and then they go. Uh, it's like doing ministry to a parade. It's like there's a parade going by. I get to shout the gospel at them for a minute, and then they're gone and they move to Idaho or whatever. So, like, that's the philosophy of ministry, just shout the gospel at people while they're here. So, uh, we have two transitions that I want to let you know about, and we're going to have a family gathering next month in May at the end, towards the end of the month to talk about it a little bit more. But two transitions, both are bittersweet, uh, but it is par for the course in leading a church. The first one is our beloved Derek. Derek, would you wave? He's back there behind the soundboard. He has uh, been a huge blessing to our church. Derek drove up from his homeland of Florida uh, in 2020, like summertime of 2020, fall, He had the clothes on his back and an extra set of clothes in the suitcase of his car. He drove up from Florida, stumbled his way into a service here at Sound City. We were still meeting in the backyard. Said, hey, I play music and I can help run a soundboard. What do you guys need? We're like, you, we need you. And uh, Derek's been doing an internship with us for the last year. And he has been an incredible, incredible blessing to this church community. Uh, a few months ago, he was uh, been talking with his mom, who's been going through some health issues and some financial issues, and he really sensed the Lord leading him, though his preference would be to stay here in Seattle, the Lord leading him to head back home to Florida to be there to care for his mom and to take care of his mom, which is an honorable thing. 
And uh, so it's beautiful that he's being obedient to the call of Jesus and faithful to what the scriptures teach. It's bittersweet for us because Derek is a tremendous blessing to this church community. And so come June, he's going to drive back off to Florida again. Uh, you're going to try to take that piano with you? You can put that in your trunk this time? Okay, that sounds good. So uh, if anybody needs a piano, he'll be selling a piano pretty soon. So uh, he'll be heading back to the land of uh, cockroaches and gators and uh, loving and taking care of his mom. Derek, we're so proud of you, and you have served this church super well. And uh, I'm thankful for you, and we're all extremely thankful for you. And it's joyful and bittersweet to, to see you move on. The other one is uh, Pastor Jamin and the Barker family. Uh, Jamin has been an elder for about five years now, and uh, he has been uh, not only faithful to lead and to serve this church, he has been very faithful to me personally, just as a brother in Christ, both with words of encouragement as well as words of correction at different times in my life when I've needed that. He uh, recently transitioned jobs, is working fully remotely like many in the tech industry are, and they and their family began praying about where they wanted to uh, live and and raise their family in this next season, and uh, the Lord has led them to uh, begin the process of moving and relocating to Arizona, and so also sometime in June, they'll be, uh, he'll he'll be stepping down off of the elder team and moving uh, the family to Arizona, the land of scorpions and cactuses, which is, again, still... you know, we have like birds and rivers here. I don't know what you guys are doing, but <laughs> now, uh, Jamin has been, he, he faithfully drove the truck and the trailer like every single Sunday when we were meeting over at Linwood High School. His wife, Kelsey, has checked in more kids than any other person in our church, and the only kids she's ever lost were her own, so that's okay. Uh, they have been such faithful servants in this church, and, and Jamin, I love you dearly, brother, and uh, it's, it's painful for me, but it's joyful for me. And in the community of faith, these types of transitions happen. And the good news is, well, first of all, it's like Arizona and Florida. It's not like they're moving to, you know, Pakistan or something like that. But second of all, uh, we have all of eternity to enjoy the presence of our Savior and one another in that. So friends, I wonder if we could just say a huge thank you to the Barker family and to Derek for serving us. So our church is experiencing transition. Our church is also blessed by so many faithful leaders and so many faithful members. And so I have two kind of exciting things to share with you, things to be thankful for. The first one of which is that um, uh, Pastor Jason, who was up here a minute ago leading generosity and was baptizing people at the first service. Pastor Jason, for those of you who don't know, Pastor Jason faithfully shepherded as the, as the, the solo pastor on staff, Martha Lake Baptist Church here for almost 10 years, and then went through the process of the merger, and has been with Sound City now for not quite two years. And uh, by God's grace, we are excited to be able to bless him and Melissa and their children, their family, with a sabbatical, the same as what I was able to experience last year, for a season of refreshing, a season of renewal, a season of recharging. Uh, Jason, you are a faithful, faithful man of God, and you have shepherded Martha Lake for years. You have been a faithful uh, companion ministry through many ups and downs, and so it's a delight for us as a church to be able to gift them uh, this opportunity for three months of rest and renewal and hopefully recharging so that he can come back uh, to continue the work of the Lord that is before him. So can we thank Jason and Melissa for all their faithfulness and love for this church?
And we are blessed by a new team that we are assembling called the Avengers of Sound City. Uh, I'm going to invite, actually, this is the renewal team. I'm going to invite these men and women to come down here. We'll just line up right in front of the stage. I think we are missing just one today who's feeling a little bit under the weather. But as we were praying and seeking the Lord for this season of renewal, we started to pray and ask the Lord to identify for us some men and women who could help the elder team do this work of, of asking the Lord, like, who are we supposed to be and what's our part of the larger mission of, uh, of the, the Church of Jesus Christ. And so uh, let me just go down the line. I'll introduce uh, to you. We've got Michael and Christy Lowe, and we have Jim Laguchik here. We've got Nick and Amy Ray. We have Rachel Meyer and Rachel Menzi, because we needed two Rachel M's on the team for uh, confusion's sake. We've got Haziel Sanchez, you just heard read the scripture a little bit ago, and then Kyle Stewart, and then not pictured is Jeremiah Robinson, who uh, we pray will heal up and feel well soon. And these men and women have agreed to take on this role for the next season to help come alongside the elders to work through our mission, our vision, our values, really who we are and what we are supposed to be as a church. And I am just beyond excited to get to work with these faithful sisters and brothers in Christ. And friends, I wonder if uh, we could just pray a blessing over them and officially commission them as we're going to have our first official team meeting here in just a couple of short weeks. So uh, if we've got the other elders in the room, if you want to come down, we'll, we'll gather around them, we'll pray over them. And uh, if you as a part of this church gathering would be so bold as just to extend a hand and let's just pray a blessing over them. Lord, We thank you for these sisters and brothers. We thank you for their faithfulness to you as members of this church. And we thank you for their willingness to say yes, to come alongside the overseers of the church in this season, that we might seek you for who we are supposed to be, the the mission, the specific uh, um, application of your mission for this church and, and what it is that we're supposed to represent, Lord, because no one church can do everything. No one church can be everything. And so we want to be who you've called us to be. Lord, I specifically want to pray for protection, for spiritual protection over these families represented here. Lord, we know that we have an enemy. And as we dig in to to really seek to be more effective witnesses for the gospel, we know that that will come with opposition. And so we pray for your protection and for your blessing over these women and men and for their children, for those who have children. Lord, I pray that you would empower them and give them wisdom that is not uh, their own. Lord, even, even Lord Jesus, as you said to Peter, this is not something we could have known because of flesh and blood, but Lord, that you revealed things to us on high, that we would be sensitive to your voice. We'd be uh, following your voice and, and following your leading so that we could grow to be the church that you want us to be by your grace and for your glory. We pray this all in Jesus' good name. Amen. Friends, can we say thank you to this team for answering the call and stepping up to it? Thanks, guys. Gals. All right, I've gone over, shocking. Uh, Let me say this. Some of you are maybe saying, man, this is a lot, a lot to think about, a lot to process. What can you do? Let me just offer you a few quick thoughts. And these are things that are applicable to all of us, but maybe the Spirit would highlight one or a specific one for you to really lean in on. One thing you can be doing is praying. One thing maybe everyone could be doing is praying. Pray for our church. We want to be the church that Jesus wants us to be. So pray. Pray for the elders. Pray for the renewal team. Just pray for our church. You can even take out your phone right now and schedule a time. Put it in your calendar to set an alert. Oh, yeah, I need to pray. Number two, I really want to encourage you to grow as a disciple of Jesus. I'm going to say this kind of bluntly. I mean it in love. If you are growing and maturing as a disciple of Jesus, then you're able to be a blessing to others in this church community. 
But if you are floundering and just stale or even taking steps backwards, then you are not a blessing and an asset to the other people around you. And so you need to take responsibility for your spiritual growth and your spiritual development so that you can be a blessing to others around you. Can you hear that word? That, uh, that's a, I know it's a challenging word, but I mean it with love. You need to grow so that you can be a blessing to other brothers and sisters in this church. Take seriously your pathway of discipleship if you're not already. If you're just kind of showing up and going through the motions, do what Jesus said, to repent and be zealous for what you once were. Third thing I want to encourage you is tithe. And when I say tithe, when we talk about giving or generosity, I I specifically mean the portion of your finances, that that first portion of your finances that is to go to fund the work of the ministry. We're going to have opportunities to really dig into sacrifices and tithing and things like that when we get into Leviticus next week. Leviticus. Whose idea was that? Mine. Darn it. But I just want to encourage you that if this is your home church, that part of that responsibility is to give to the work of the ministry that's happening here. The word tithe means a tenth. It's not a, uh, the way I understand it, it's not a law, but it's a, it's a good starting point. To say, Lord, I'm going to give 10% of my income to the work of the mission and, and gifts above and beyond that to others who are in need to live a life of generosity. Some of you are extremely faithful with your giving. Thank you. Others of you, this is an opportunity for you to look and say, man, am I really invested here? Is this really where I'm invested and I want to give of my finances to see the work of the ministry in this local church flourish? Number four, serve. Serve. Some of you just are serving so faithfully. But as you just heard, uh, with, with upcoming transitions, especially somebody like Derek, who he carries a heavy load with sound and music and and prepping things during the week, and maybe someone here is like, yeah, I've got some time during the week, and I could come help prep slides and print out music, or I could come help run the soundboard, or maybe you don't even know, we can train you and help you with that. That's fine. And lastly, lead. There's a lot of opportunity for new leaders to be raised up. And some of you, I've heard this over the years, well, I could never, I could never lead or do you know, what I do or what somebody else does. Or like, What if God was calling you to be the leader that you are supposed to be? Whether it's leading in a small group, leading in our children's ministry, pursuing deaconship, or maybe by God's grace, some of you men are called into eldership. The Lord is raising up leaders. Church family, I love you so much. I am really grateful to be a part of this local church. I'm really grateful for all of the good and even all of the hard that we've walked through. Because in it, it's a reminder, it's not about you, it's not about me. We exist by, because of, and for Jesus alone and his glory. And let's remember that even now as we come to the table to eat and to drink and to celebrate his broken body and his shed blood that purchased us. I'm going to invite Pastor Jamin to come and lead us in communion. And I'll invite the musicians to come up and let's prepare our hearts to receive from the table. Lord, thank you that you are building your church. Thank you that you are building your church, capital C Church, all over the world. And thank you that you are building this church and you are renewing us. And I pray, Lord, that we would seek you and we would seek to be faithful in all that you have for us in the weeks and months and years ahead so that you would be glorified and a lot of people who don't currently know you would be welcomed into your family by your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.